This is the Wrestling Connection, ladies and gents. Thank you so much for tuning in this week. My name is Chris and this is Glenn and we are here for another exciting edition of your new favourite wrestling podcast. Certainly my new favourite wrestling podcast. I hope Glenn feels the same. This is the Wrestling Connection. We're going to do a very special episode this week, just like every single week is a special episode as we come out every single Sunday. Wherever you have found us on your podcasting outlet, we very much appreciate it. And this episode is going to be about the best matches to take place in WWE in the last decade. And that means the 2010s, if you're keeping score at home. 2010 to 2019. Bugs me a little bit. It's only nine years. They call it a decade because it's the 2010s, but it doesn't matter. It's fine. Uh, hello again everybody, welcome, settle in, get comfortable, get yourself a wee beverage Or if you're out a walk or something, make sure you look where you're going And you don't and, stand you know, on stay, any Stay away Go from on. people, you know Stay away from, stay away from people, people. Yeah. yeah, social distancing and all that stuff uh, Yes, we're here, it's going to be a very fun one this week It's been a lovely day, this you know, this, this fine, fine day Being outside, wearing the shorts, uh, enjoying the sun Went for a walk earlier, I was sweating, sweaty Betty how has your uh, how has your early springtime been so far? It's been good, but it does come with its problems and the in, the, in a kind of a dilemma in life, which I like to call: is it coronavirus or just mm. hay fever? And it turns out yes, okay. for me, it was just hay fever. Um, so that that that's the thing. That's the time that we live in, Chris. Is that with this situation, you can't have like the, the slightest ailment without having the fear of god put into you that you're you might be seriously ill um yeah. so i can't tell you how many times i've developed like a cough or like a snivel or something and been worried and then i've been fine um yeah. <clears throat> actually i've not had any coughs but you know like like you feel you need to clear your throat more than you usually do then you start to panic or maybe it's just me the hypochondriac but yeah springtime is lovely it's glorious walking the dog is nice but yeah, I could do without the uh, the tight throat and the sniffly nose and the puffy eyes that come with all things hay fever. Yeah, I just feel like I'm being judged though if I'm out of walk and I cough. You know what I mean? Oh gosh. <laughs> Obviously, I'm being safe about it, but <laughs> I don't want to mm. um, walk up to someone. That's the thing as well. Social distancing, you know, is uh, the best way to do it is just not see anybody. But you know, yeah. if you're walking about somewhere and you're just coughing and sneezing with your mouth open, that's not going to be good in general. You know? No. Never mind. No. Never mind in this sort of day and age that we're living in. Um, but yeah, lovely day today. Didn't get a chance to watch much wrestling, but I did watch something this morning when I woke up, um, which we'll get to because this week I'll be recommending you. I'll be recommending you your match of the week. So that's Ooh. pretty much. I'm not actually been watching that that much wrestling this week. Usually it's like really random stuff, a couple of wee things, but in terms of like the usual nonsense, I've not really been watching that much. What about you? Well, I have um, still been keeping on with my marathon, which of which I'm still currently in 2002. Um, nice. In preparation for this week, I've been watching a few other things from the 2010s. But um, one thing which I've really enjoyed this week is because I am right after the name change from WWF to WWE, I'd forgotten how ridiculously, wonderfully stupid the Get the F Out campaign was. Oh, yeah. Um, so for people who don't know, on the 6th of May 2002, that episode of Raw, the episode of Raw opens up with a woman uh, trimming a hedge out in her front That's garden. Right. Steady. <laughs> um, and uh, there's this lovely piano music playing and she trims this lovely block WWF logo. Uh, but then she cuts the F off it. Yeah, she has and the F off. 
then douses it in gasoline, much to the shock and awe of her neighbours. Yeah. Lights a flame. Glenn Jacobs, eat your heart out. And uh, then it's the twigs uh, and the to- the charred twigs uh, make the new WWE logo get the F out. Um, yeah. But they only get more bonkers. A man, uh, a horrifying creature, which is a man with the WWF logo for a head, walks into that's a right. barber. This is like a joke. Oh my God, that's right. Like, hey, Tony, hey, I need a little bit off the side, you know? And he gets this big, <laughs> the F chopped off. And then all of a sudden he's, he's the bee's knees. The same yeah. horrifying creature walks into a nightclub and he's trying to flirt with other women. And he's he's getting rejected <laughs> left, right and center. Um, and uh, then he, he, he goes up to one woman and uh, harasses her. And he's like, hey, hey, baby, and all this. And she smashes in true WWF style, a glass bottle over his head, knocking the F off. So he's actually just lost part of his body. Yeah. Um, but now because he's gotten the F out, he is surrounded by women. And that's part of the yes, whole that's... Um, testosterone-driven <laughs> product of the time, I suppose. Um, yeah. And God almighty, they were then there was a very steamy limousine one, as I recall. But mm. I've really been enjoying that, probably more so than the wrestling, this ridiculous ad campaign at such a they were great. bizarre yeah. time. I saw that on Instagram this week as well, and I was like, "Those ones were so funny!" Like those, uh, those, those ads. Do you remember when there was like an advert for Raw, um, and it was like this couple were in bed, and like the the wife was kind of wearing this sort of seductive kind of outfit, and uh, she was like, "Come on, let's let's have some fun or whatever," and uh, the guy's like, "Oh, come on, man, I, I'm just so tired, I can't do anything tonight," and then she goes, "Come on, it's Monday, it's nine o'clock." And he goes, Monday? <laughs> Nine o'clock? And he sits up and puts Ron. <laughs> they were great. Oh, that's brilliant. The WWE had some good ads over the years. I like the uh, when, to, they were yeah. going, when they were going free hours um, for Roth 1000, starting with that. They did a great promo when they were like storming the. I can't remember what it was, but it's one where CM Punk ends up in Q8. Yeah, I don't want to go to Kuwait. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Ross starts at eight. I think we have to hydrate. That's right. That was a really good one. And then he's like, (laughs) CM Punk's like surrounded by goats. He's like, does anybody know where the arena is? (laughs) Hey, Vince, Kali's here for your prostate. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That was good. No, listen, WWE don't get the credit they deserve for the actual creativity around it. You know what I mean? Because like yeah. the actual the creative style of wrestling storylines get criticized so much, but like the actual like entertainment they produce that isn't a wrestling match is really really good sometimes. You know. Absolutely, and that's what we're all about here, isn't it? I mean, there's so much you can criticize, and I don't think we're ever for a minute saying that the negative things about WWE or the things they do badly don't exist or that yeah. we're turning a blind eye over it, but it just helps to be a bit more positive, and this is a great example of something they do quite well. I'd describe the Get the F Out campaign as a bit silly, but it's memorable for me in a really good way. You know, yeah. it's like I was always intrigued by that era when I was a kid, so it was fun to watch back and see these stupid adverts. Hey, Tony, I need a little bit off the side. <laughs> I need to get the F out. <laughs> those t-shirts were about for ages, though. Like, Remember, everybody used to wear those Get the F out t-shirts, like the cameramen and whoever. Yeah. Like, they used to wear them for ages, up until like 2004 and or whatever. The, the wrestlers who didn't have their own t-shirts, like Crash yeah. Holly and Tommy Crash Jr. Holly. Yeah, them yeah, as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of um, obscure wrestlers, ever since last week, all I've been thinking about and watching on YouTube are clips of Rikishi and Tajiri. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. No, wait, which Rikishi? Real Rikishi or fake Rikishi? Thinking real back Rikishi, to a yeah. Ago. Okay, real, okay. Real Rikishi. It's, it's funny, uh, uh, the better one. 
uh, I said I'd try and go week without mentioning my best pal Robert, but uh, he was texting <laughs> like we because of the lockdown. Obviously, we can't all hang out, so every week we tend to play online games like Cards Against Humanity. There's a website where you can play that online, um, and it's really good. I, I texted all my pals, like um, all three of them, uh, the other day, <laughs> and I was like, "Hey, do you guys want to play Cards Against Humanity on Friday night?" And Robert just replied, "Will fake Rikishi be there?" And I could just read it in his deadpan, unimpressed voice. Well, it's, nice to know. To. <laughs> it's nice to know he's been listening to the podcast, considering he gets so many mentions. <laughs> I know, absolutely. He deserves it. I mean, it's a sin that he's not been on this. He's probably the oh, biggest wrestling that I know, and that's saying something, because I know you, Chris. <laughs> I know, I know. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, no, that's great. It's, it's nice to know that Robert's tuning in. So hello, Robert out there. We love you dearly. And uh, thanks for listening to the show. Speaking of it, I, I kind of mentioned that's all I've been watching this week. That was a lie, my friend. Um, mm. I found, you're probably going to know about this because on recording day, it's just starting to take off. I found the greatest Twitter account in the history of mankind this week. Or Well, I found the greatest uh, Twitter account in the history of Dude Love. Okay, well, that mine is better. I preferred Mankind. Um, well, Cat is Jack, isn't he? Well, sorry, I, I, no, I on, Chris. That was a terrible you, uh, joke. <laughs> What were you going to say about Cactus Jack? <laughs> I don't know. It's the three faces of Foley, Mankind. I know, I know. Anyway. Not my audience. Um, Go on. <laughs> are you familiar with the wrestling legend that is ravishing Rick Rude? Uh, yes. He had the greatest entrance music and the greatest hip gyrating movements known to man. I think I know what you're going to tell me. I think I right. know what's that goal. So I found a Twitter account this week. It's called at Rick Rude Sells. And there's this thread on there, which is uh, Rick Rude Sells Atomic Drops. <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen this? Have you seen it? Yeah, I've seen one clip of it. I'm now right. I'm now on the Twitter page. Oh my god. It's a whole thread. I think the whole page is just about Rick Rude selling Atomic Drop. So for those who don't know, an Atomic, there's two very variations of the wrestling move, the Atomic Drop. There's one where you get a pick your opponent up in like a spine buster, <laughs> but instead of like dropping their opponent on, the, on their back, you put your knee out and you kind of crotch them on your knee. And then you have yeah. a, an inverted Atomic Drop, which is like a back suplex. But instead of going all the way back, you put them back down on their feet, but you stick kind of like your knee out and connect with like their coccyx, like their kind of a tailbone yeah. sort of thing. That's your yeah. two variations of an Atomic Drop. There's videos on this Twitter account. I want everybody to look at it right now. At Rick Rude Sells. And there's just different variations of Rick Rude selling these two basic moves. And it's honest, oh, I spent about an hour the other day watching them. There's one oh that my God. Rick Flair gives him. There's one he's wearing a suit. It is hilarious. This is brilliant. There's one that that's just been posted. This is the reason I'm, I was away from uh, pointing my face away from my microphone there because I kept laughing as you were talking because I just see him selling the same atomic drop and he's doing this wee arse wiggle. It's so funny. It's weird. It's like he needs to go to the toilet. <laughs> or he's been in. It's all gone too wrong. Oh, man. Oh, I thought it was brilliant. Whoever, the, the process of that is hilarious. Someone's been watching Clash of the Champions from 1992 and saw this and went, that's a funny way to sell an atomic drop. Watched another Rick Rude match. He sold it the same way and made a whole mm-hmm. Twitter account about it. That's brilliant. <laughs> Whoever's created that, I salute you, my friend. And if I was thankful for something this week in wrestling, that would be my choice. Wow, wow. Uh, do you know, our friend of the show, Santino, should have been yes. doing this. This is right up his street. Yeah. Uh, I, you, you said the word thankful. Oh, you want to go there? Let's do it right now. I like it. Well, we we, we can do it. I mean, you're the one that brought it up. No, I'm, um, I, I did bring it up and you're right. Let's do it right now. Okay, folks. Cue jingle. 
What I'm thankful for in wrestling this week. Oh, yeah. This week, Chris, I, I give this a lot of thought. I always do. And here's how I want to phrase this. This week, I am thankful for the early days of wrestling websites. Mm, nice. Now, this this is, as it often is with me, it's personal and it's nostalgic. And I don't know how much of this will actually resonate with you just because you're five years-ish younger than me. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know if that was a crucial generational gap uh, or a crucial ga- gap of time for you to not have the same experience of this as I do. So you bounce in and out of this as much as you want and let me know how much of this you can relate to. Okay. Uh, but we're going to go back to like the late 90s, the early noughties, uh, where the internet was slowly becoming a thing that more houses started to have, but it was still something that was mainly in the more fortunate households. Uh, and it was the late 90s when my household got uh, our first dial-up connection. You know dial-up questioning. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. I've heard about it. <laughs> yeah, you've heard it now. Uh, so, I, you know, I, I have early memories. The only two websites I would go to in, like, the late 90s, when I was, like, seven, eight, nine years old, were the Beano website, because I was an avid reader of the Beano. Okay. And uh, WWF.com. But, of course, back then... Uh, WWF didn't just have WWF.com. They had TheRock.com and StoneCold.com. They had separate websites instead of like yeah. the Superstar Profile page. So the big stars, like the Hardy Boys, I think, had their own website. And you could go on all of these ones. But going online was just not the kind of ubiquitous thing that it is now it, it was something that you did occasionally because especially with dial-up that meant that you didn't have access to the landline and because most people didn't have mobile phones cutting off the landline for an hour was a major inconvenience so wow. um getting online regularly was um something special and robert and i knew a guy in school who were actually still pals with called billy and he was in primary school with us uh, and he was I must have been one of the first people to get internet because as you know for a long time Raw would only air in the UK on a Friday so that's four days after it originally broadcast in the States yep. but Billy figured out that not only could he go online to read about Raw but it meant that he could find out what happened in Raw before it broadcast in the UK ah. so this was my first ever experience of a spoilers and for weeks we thought he was magic we thought he was psychic right. of course he would yeah. come in and I distinctly remember the one that I've, I remember the, a few examples of this, but the one that sticks in my memory was the episode of the Raw where DDP shows up for the first time. Oh, yes. I love it. I just re- remember the the Tuesday morning in the playground at primary school, Billy saying, and we'd all been about P7 at this point, Billy saying, yeah, see on Raw. I bet I can tell you what's going to happen. See, this guy is going to come out to Undertaker's music. He's going to be dressed all in black. And he's going to take his mask off. I don't think he actually knew it was DDP because I don't know how clued up he was in his WCW at the time. Yeah. Uh, so that took us a while to figure out what he was actually doing. But then the more ubiquitous online became and when broadband came in and the more access I had to the internet, the more it became just this rabbit hole, as it often is today. I remember Googling Kane Unmasked for the first time. Chris, oh, man. the thrill, the thrill of doing that in the year 2000. 
not wow. knowing that if I just Googled fake diesel or Isaac Yankin would have got a much better picture. Yeah, but exactly. There were, there were fan <laughs> websites where people who'd taken the odd picture of him outside a venue or an airport had uploaded and they were blurry and grainy. I used to stare at these images for ages, trying to see what the scars and the burns were, you know? <laughs> and then, and then um, uh, years later, you'd go up to him and go, Kane, you give me nightmares. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, thankfully, he was wearing his mask then. So <laughs> I know, exactly. <laughs> he'd take off by taking me a picture. <laughs> um... And, uh, you know, I, I still remember the first time I put WWF.com in and it said, you're being redirected. We are now WWE.com. Talk about getting the F out. Wow. Um, and then throughout most of the noughties, like, well, the early noughties, um, I didn't have access to watching Raw and SmackDown anymore at that point in my life. Um, and it was like after my parents had divorced and uh, so we, we didn't have digital TV or cable or anything like that. So. Every once every month, my mum would have to work a Saturday in her office. And so I would go in with her just so I could go on WWE.com and catch up on a month's worth of stuff just wow. to read about it and look at pictures. Um, but the biggest thing that I can not mention, and I, this is the thing that I don't know if it was just my age group particularly or if it bled into your year group and beyond. And this was the fad online in the early noughties and the late 90s of South Park wrestlers. Oh, geez, absolutely. <laughs> I, uh, I I made like um, personal projects in primary school and I did one on wrestling and all the images I used were like South Park wrestlers. Fantastic. So I, I doubt that anyone who listens to this doesn't know this, but yeah. one, it was one of the earliest wrestling based crazes online was that you, you would Google it and there would be websites where people would make up wrestling famous wrestlers in the style of south park animation um and it would always be cool because if somebody had a costume change like when kane went from the full bodysuit to the kind of yep. singlet you would want to see if they'd made a south park character of it and i had just assumed that it stopped in the noughties like when i stopped looking for them and then i googled it today and there's like loads of modern ones as well it hasn't died really? um but we used to print them off and there was a guy yeah. that used to go around my playground then who'd print them off and sell them as if yeah. it was like, yeah, you know, sell them for your lunch money. And wow. you wanted them because they were cool. They were cool to look at. So um, I was originally going to just say that I'm thankful for first South Park wrestlers, but I realized that there was something quite special about my experience of the early days of wrestling online in the late 90s and in the early 2000s. It's what kept me in the loop for wrestling for a long time and kept me connected to wrestling for a long time. Uh, and I just I hope that other people out there, if, you, if you're listening to this and if you have fond memories of South Park wrestlers, get in touch. It's, uh, maybe I'll get Jamie to do a, a, or ask Jamie Kindly to do a, a special South Park version of oh, us my. Uh, for the Wrestling Connection cover. That'd be fun. I bet can, he can we he can, please? Jamie can do I anything. I need a new profile picture. That would be perfect. <laughs> <laughs> can you just put that out as uh, for your work as well as like an eight by ten? Yeah, exactly. I'll start selling it. Yeah, um, mm. that's a great. Yeah, great story. Great choice. Um, in terms, of, I, I didn't quite make WWF.com. Um, I, yeah. I must like the first one I would have went on to was WWE. Um, mm. But I don't really remember like my really early days of the internet. I was mad for the computer. I remember sitting with my dad and, and playing computer games for hours. Like we had like a SpongeBob SquarePants game and Brilliant. all these educational ones and a Yu-Gi-Oh one. And I had the uh, WWF Raw for the PC because it only came out in the PC. Um, mm -hmm. And then Raw Two only came out on the Xbox for some reason, but whatever. Yeah. Um, but I had the Raw game, and it was weird, like controlling the actions because I was so used to the PlayStation because I was very lucky I had yeah. the PlayStation when I was younger, and obviously the buttons were like the analogs and like R one L one that sort of thing. 
but for WWF Raw on the PC, you had to use like the arrows and the keys and that sort of thing, and it just I just didn't yeah. connect with it at all. And even to this day, I'm not a big gamer. I just I'm, I'm just not I'm not into games, and I think that kind of started it back in the day. I just couldn't figure out computer games. But in terms of uh, early wrestling websites, there used to be a website called Obsessed with Wrestling. Any memories? Okay. No, it doesn't ring a bell. But that's not to say that I never uh, ventured into it. Yeah, it was it was definitely the first website that I went on to that was like a sort of third party website that maybe wasn't as official as say a YouTube or a MySpace mm. or whatever, you know, or Bebo at the time. Um and it was called Obsessed with Wrestling and it was the first time that I got to see people's real names. Uh of course. So I'd like search it was like a search engine and I searched the Undertaker and then like a picture of like Undertaker in the ring, but next to it, it would say Mark Calloway and it would say like where he was born, how much family he's got what height he is and it was just like a way to kind of get more information about the wrestlers um, yeah. so that was an early memory and the other one I remember is LimeWire uh, which, oh, yeah. which couldn't which couldn't be more illegal and couldn't be yeah. more dangerous you know um, it just it filled everybody's computer with viruses um, but I remember I remember downloading <laughs> loads of stuff I shouldn't have been downloading um, in terms of wrestling but also in terms of other stuff that I thought was wrestling I tried to download oh. the uh, the first season of Tough Enough right this is maybe 2000 seven right 2006 okay. or seven and so a few years download- after tough enough well after tough enough like tough enough yeah. for the mtv show had already finished by that point you know yeah um but it was the first season that came out on dvd in the u.s anyway and it was quite a real dvd and it definitely didn't carry over here for much for like that long anyway and i always wanted to see it. i remember watching at the time like on tv and that sort of stuff when i was really really young but i didn't have like the clear sort of memory of it so yeah. I saw it as a stream on LimeWire, and because at the time, like LimeWire could do no wrong because it was giving you pictures and like there was old ECW footage you could watch and TNA stuff, and it was yeah. brilliant. First time I ever saw the Inferno match uh, between Undertaker and Kane from Unforgiven '98 was uh, the worst quality video ever. But my dad downloaded it for me and was like, "Oh, look at this new thing! Here's, here's a way to get Undertaker versus Kane matches." Um, and I don't, can I, can I just tough. say, by the way, everything you've said about your dad over the last few weeks in this makes him sound like the best dad in the world. <laughs> he's a great dad, yeah, he is, of course. Um, I guess he just, because I, I was so into wrestling, do you know what I mean? He kind of went out of his way all the time to make sure there was some wrestling available for me, you know? Um, yeah. So, so I've, now LimeWire is in my hands, uh, and, and I tried to download Tough Enough Season 1. And because uh, I think it was like 12 episodes... I downloaded mm-hmm. his 12 individual files and let's just say the 12 individual files were not wrestling videos they were something that someone in, that was maybe 8 years old or 9 years old should not have been watching and oh, uh, it really it, it was a I, I don't even remember the feeling now in my tummy I was like oh my god <laughs> I got all like flushed and I had to go next door and I was like oh um, mum uh, listen I, I've been run, jumping about next door that's why I'm all sweaty <laughs> but yeah so that's uh, early internet memories for wrestling. But good choice, though. I, I agree with you in terms of, like, trying to find information about stuff, which is, we kind of talked about that before, about Power Slam. Like, that would yeah, be, like, yeah. the physical version, but the online version, for sure, were those sort of dodgy websites and WWE.com itself. Absolutely. So, yeah, it's... Uh, I still think about those days. The internet was simpler and less stressed. Yeah. Just thinking, well, not, not for you, bloody was, because you were downloading all sorts, but, yeah. um, <laughs> you know, for me, it was simple. It was regimented. It was sparse. Yeah, and, and it didn't have all the negativity that you've got now. Absolutely, absolutely. But yes, that is what I was thankful for this week. Chris, is there anything you'd like to recommend? Funny you say that, Glenn. <laughs> let's time, let's, uh, <laughs> it's time to recommend a match to all of the lovely listeners. Wrestling, recommendations, wrestling, recommendations, wrestling, recommendations. 
Match of the week. Oh yeah. Okay, so this week I have gone a little bit different in terms of um, when I say different, I mean I kind of like a hidden show that not a lot of people kind of talk about for all okay. that I'll, that I'll get into. Um, but it's definitely a show that I've never gone back to watch really for not because of the reason that kind of uh, surrounds it, but just because I just haven't gone back and watched it. And uh, I kind of mentioned right. a couple of years ago that I've been kind of watching some mid, mid-2000s kind of stuff in terms of ruthless aggression. Um, yeah. And I was I was watching the pay-per-views in terms of going pay-per-view to pay-per-view. I was, um, I was like watching the individual stories progress over the pay-per-views, um, yeah, yeah. which is something I did when I was a wee bit younger and I thought it was a good idea. It kind of helps me brush up on some things that happened at that time. So I was uh, like, I watched the Undertaker and Batista rivalry from two thousand and seven. Oh, that sort yeah. of thing. Um, yeah. I, I don't even know. Was that my match of the week last week? No, it wasn't. It wasn't. I was the John Cena and Shawn Michaels one I recommended last week or, or the week before. Uh, that's yeah, a good yeah, example yeah, of right. that. Watch those ones, you know. So I'm further on to two thousand and seven now, and uh, I'm starting to realise that two thousand and seven wasn't that good of a year, actually. Um, no, I mean, uh, well, yes, this is your segment, but you're right. For obvious reasons, it's. Um... It's kind of overshadowed by that one thing. Yeah, um, and that's that's kind of the thing that I kind of was was talking about before. This this match is from Vengeance two thousand and seven, um, right? And uh, which which was the first one? It was entitled Night of Champions, Vengeance Night of Champions. The, that's it was like the, right, the first yeah. time that every title is going to be on the line. My God, like on this show, there's like uh, the cruiserweight title is on the line. It's Chavo Guerrero versus Jimmy Wang Yang. Uh, yeah, and I was like Jimmy Wang Yang. <laughs> I watched. I hadn't seen him in ages. And uh, in this match, it's just uh, the the absurdity of this gimmick is ridiculous. It's just it's literally an Asian guy who has moved to Texas and uh, mm-hmm. wears a cowboy hat and those kind of like suspenders things that like cowboys wear. I guess what a random yeah. gimmick. And he was a really good wrestler it's as well. So, he was a great wrestler. It, the gimmick is so. I hate to say this, but it's typical of Vince McMahon. Just oh my god, who loves to poke fun at at overemphasized racial stereotypes uh and jimmy wang yang was kind of like that because there's this tendency uh in media especially of that time and before to take uh, asian people and to make them almost seem like buffoons or stupid when they try and embrace a western culture yeah. Uh, you think that you see that in cartoons you, from that era, and it's it, it's kind of it's a bit sickly to look at. But you know, Jimmy Wang Yang, do you know what he does now for a living? No, he runs his own um, party bus and party van company, and he oh, uses the Jimmy Wang Yang name. Of course, he does. Why would they not do that? That's a perfect thing to do after wrestling. <laughs> so you know, for all the horrific, uh, you know, borderline. Well, let's just say it is racism, and Absolutely. for all the um, and for the cultural appropriation and and uh, all the you know terribleness associated with that gimmick. At least he's got a sound business out of it. Apparently, he's doing really well. That's good. It's nice to see when people were like successful to a certain degree in the wrestling business, and then like find success out with the wrestling. That's always cool to see. You know. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, it doesn't need to be like a big example like The Rock or Batista. Scotty Tohoti is a successful fireman now. Spike Dudley is a teacher, there which is go. what he was before he was a wrestler. Yeah. Was Gene Snitsky not a teacher as well now or something? I don't know. If, uh, I don't know if he's, if he's a teacher now, but I saw that he has an incredible beard now. Yes. And if something bad was to happen in the which school, is- what would he say? <laughs> Can I beat you to it there? <laughs> Yes, you did. That's exactly where I was going. Oh my god, we need to talk about Snitsky one day. The teeth, the feet. Oh, the, the, the feet. The, what a random thing is it? I know that was another Vinceism. Oh god, that was Vince. It is more acceptable. 
Uh, okay, so we we went on a bit of a rabbit hole there. So you were watching stuff. You're in 2007. Vengeance seven. Vengeance. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, the of the week does not include Snitsky, believe it or not. Um, oh, for God's sake. <laughs> that's not my fault. Uh, the My choice for match of the week. <laughs> my choice for match of the week uh, is the main event of Vengeance 2007. And it is the WWE Championship Challenge. And it is John oh, Cena defending his WWE Championship against Randy Orton, Bobby Lashley, mm-hmm. King Booker, yep. and Mick uh-huh. Foley. What? In a fatal five-way match. Incredible. Incredible. So, at the time, that's a normal main event for pay-per-view. No bother. But now, watch, I hadn't watched it in ages. I don't know if it's because of the whole circumstances behind this pay-per-view, the fact that I've never yeah. went back to it. I've been very, like, I don't know. It's not that I condone anything that anybody did around this time. But, like, I've always been okay to watch Chris Benoit's matches, right? It's never been, like, I've never been embarrassed to watch them or, or affected by them. I know a lot of people are, and I totally get that. And I would never judge anybody for being kind of um, feeling uncomfortable with sort of watching him and talking about him and that sort of thing. But I yeah. think something in my mind just self-consciously was like, that's, that's a bad show. That's a dangerous show. Don't go near, don't go near it, right? There's just bad connotations around it. Um, so this week I ended up going back and watching it and it's a, it's not a great show, right? I, I, as I talked about, Chavo versus Jimmy Wang Yang. There's uh, the Hardys versus Murdoch and Cade. There's uh, yeah. U- Umaga versus Santino. But Santino had just debuted, so he had no moves. Um, MVP wrestles Ric Flair on the show, which is quite cool. But it's just, it's just not a good show. Nice. Um, and Batista and Edge for the world title, and it was Batista's last chance. But the main event is really just so much fun. It's like, obviously at the time, no one knew anything you know around what had happened that weekend. We were just doing the show as, as expected, yeah. which is one of the competitors never showed up. So as far as they were concerned, they were just running a show, you know? So this match yeah. randomly has Mick Foley in it for the WWE title. I don't know why Mick Foley's in it. Um, Brilliant. No one ever talks about this one because maybe the connotations, but it's literally wall-to-wall, bell-to-bell action the full way. There's no slow moments. There's some really cool spots. There's some ruthless aggression golds in there. Everybody has their own stuff. King Booker, right? So at the time, I just absolutely hated the Booker T for this. Hated him. He was like the number one heel for me. There was nothing anybody could tell me, you know, that would that would make me like him again. The whole King Booker thing, the entrance, the music, the character, the weird accent, the fact he beat Rey Mysterio for the title, all that stuff. I hated him. Yeah. And ever, and even to this day, anytime I see the King Booker thing, I hated him so much. I still roll my eyes, right? But I hadn't really like watched him since, right? Why would I? Why would I watch King Booker? So watching this match and seeing Booker T come out in this character, I was howling. It is brilliant. He's so funny. He he's comes brilliant. out and he, he's he's been a king and he's like doing these wee sort of like two steps and posing with his pinky in the air and uh, he's speaking in this <laughs> English yep. accent because he's royalty now. It's brilliant and I just I wish like I was yeah. this age watching that character in its prime because I would love it. It's so much better and inter- more entertaining than whatever he was doing before. It's so funny. You know, um, this is the thing because you know I, I think Booker T's in the Hall of Fame now. Yeah. rightfully so twice um and i think a lot of people point to his wcw stuff and i don't think he gets enough credit really for his comedic stuff because i'm i'm oh, just man. going through the early stuff of goldust right now which is what everyone points to obviously we've just had the the austin and the supermarket thing as well yeah of course um which has become a great coronavirus meme you know <laughs> shocking scenes in asda during yeah. the rush for toilet roll you know um <laughs> 
but yeah, Booker Booker T was 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 great. But I, it's funny you say that because I was fifteen when King Booker was a big character, and I hated him at the time as well. Right. Okay. I, mean, I was that little bit older, but um, looking back on it, he's hilarious. He was the real highlight of the year. Brilliant man. Um, so a total random. The only reason I'm rea- I'm recommending this one is because it's so left field for me. Like I hadn't seen it since, um, and I wish I had because it's a lot of fun. It is the Championship Challenge from Night of Champions Vengeance 2007. Cena, Orton, Lashley, King Booker and Mick Foley randomly. There's a really cool spot where uh, Cena goes to do the five-knuckle shuffle to Booker T and he goes off mm-hmm. into the ropes and as he runs up to do the sort of fist drop, Randy Orton catches him in an RKO out of nowhere and I was, like, and I didn't <laughs> expect it and I pure jumped off the couch. I was like, oh my God! Like It was one of those moments where I hadn't seen the match in so long. I was so unfamiliar with it so I was like watching it for the first time again. Do yourself a favour, check this one out. It's a lot of fun this week. Cena, Orton, Lashley, Booker, Foley, Night of Champions 07. Great recommendation. Great recommendation. And Chris, before we uh, move any further, it's time for this week's bathroom break. Toilet break. Ooh, yeah. Thanks for joining us this week in our toilet break. We hope everybody had a fun one. Uh, This week we are uh, going to be talking about our favourite matches or the best matches from WWE in the last decade and uh, we were texting about this this week and uh, you seem to be struggling to find some whereas I was overflowing with options here, I couldn't couldn't pick my favourites. Well, I think it's, uh, I don't know if it's like like when I was talking about being thankful for... um... Uh, for the for the online stuff i wonder if it's maybe that gap in of five years that makes all the difference the thing that i like when you suggested let's do the best of the 12 2010s yeah i was like oh brilliant let's sink my teeth into this but then i realized i haven't seen with the the exception of raw 1000 i haven't seen a full unedited episode of raw or smackdown at all from that decade right because Throughout the entire of the 2010s, I had no access to Sky, yeah, and or BT Sport, and I didn't pirate stuff, yeah. So, uh, you know, I got the network in 2014, but I really just used that for pay per views or yeah. classic episodes of Raw or SmackDown. So it's um, it was there was a wealth of TV stuff that I don't have my list. I think I've got well, I've got nine down here, and I've got a tenth in my head. Uh, but I don't think, I think like any other week, Chris, I don't think there's any chance that we'll get through everything that we've got. We yeah. might have some crossover as well. Certainly, I've got a couple of matches here that we've discussed in other contexts in previous weeks. We might not want to go fully into detail about them. I yeah. don't know. But, you know, I, I had a hard time putting this together. But then when I really put my thoughts to it and I started rewatching matches, I really started to enjoy this. Yeah. So uh, I have a few matches. Um, I have not been able to rank them at all. Me neither. My God. Word. Go for it. Sorry, I was just saying me neither. It was impossible to do that. No, it really, it really was. I mean, and uh, like the metric for ranking matches, you know, it, you know, it's apples and oranges. Two matches that might otherwise look the same. Yeah. You know, it's 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 hard to have like a, a steady measurement system. So ranking it for me was futile and I chose not to do it. You do see a lot of the same names popping up and I wonder if that's the case of your list as well. Mm. Um, kind of. There's a few, well, yeah, looking at it now, yeah, there's a bunch of similar people on here. Yeah. Also, we should note that I didn't include NXT, but I think you did. I've got two NXT matches. Okay. On my my, my um, philosophy on that is 
that NXT, some of the main events and that sort of thing were almost too good to have, like, to kind of put it in the same kind of spectrum as, like, a WrestleMania match. So always kind of gave them their own yeah. sort of list. Do you know what I mean? So um, we, we'll yeah, definitely do NXT sense. another time as well. But that's cool to have a couple in there. That's cool. Uh, so yeah, we'll we'll see where this takes us. I'm really keen to see if we have anything in common, any kind of commonality. Yeah. Um, so we'll um, we'll we'll take it away, I suppose. And uh, I, I, the the other thing I was going to say is that I don't know how much how keen I am to do this in like chronological order. It'd be good just to kind of bounce back and forth yeah. between the years. Let's do that. Um, and I, I should also say that. Uh, I don't know if you can say the same thing, but I have not watched the recent WWE uh, Network special on this yeah. decade, um, th- that rank. You told me strictly to ignore yeah. that. Well, that's the thing. The reason we're doing this episode, I kind of wanted to do it as a YouTube video, but I never got around to doing it. So I was like, well, let's do it on the podcast so we can have more time and more fun with it. And also because yeah. we're still kind of fresh into the new decade, I thought I don't want to leave it too long before it becomes kind of obsolete. Um, and also I was thinking the network have been putting out so much great content um, under this series called The Best of WWE, which is um, (laughs) original. And uh, it's almost (laughs) like, you know the way you'd get a new DVD and it would be like a match compilation and it would be brilliant because you owned the matches on DVD. Um, Well, now it's like that, but just not DVDs. It's just like episodes of this thing on the network. So there's like best Randy Orton matches, best Edge matches, best Raw matches of the decade, best Roman Reigns WrestleMania matches, that sort of thing. So they did one, yeah. the top 10 matches uh, of the 2010s created by the WWE Network. And I've noted down the 10 matches and I'm going to read you the list now, right? Okay, and I want I'm, to, I'm really intrigued to see this. And I want to see if you've got any of, you know, any, any of your picks on this list, right? Right, as you go through it, should I tell you if I've got it on my list or not? Um, what do you think? Or do you want to keep it a surprise? I'll tell you, here's what I'm going to do. As you go through the list, I am okay. going to check off a number of how many I've got, and then I'll tell you out of that, is that a list of 10? 10, yeah. Yeah, I'll tell you how many of the 10 I've got, So, I'll, but okay. I won't tell you which ones, all right? Okay, go yeah, for sounds it. good. Right, so this is the WWE Network. I don't know who's in charge, but in, according to the official WWE Network, these are the 10 best matches from 2010 to 2019. Number 10. Okay. Daniel Bryan versus Kofi Kingston from WrestleMania 35. Number nine, The Shield versus The Wyatt Family from Elimination Chamber 2014. Number eight, CM Punk versus John Cena from Money in the Bank 2011. Number seven, Undertaker versus Triple H, Hell in a Cell match from WrestleMania 28. Number six, Kevin Owens versus Sami Zayn from Battleground 2016. Five, Ronda Rousey versus Sasha Banks from the Royal Rumble 2019. 19? 19. Uh, Number four, Daniel Bryan versus Triple H from WrestleMania 30. Number three, Charlotte versus Becky Lynch, last women's standing match from Evolution 2018. Yeah. Number two, AJ Styles versus Seth Rollins from Money in the Bank 2019. And number one, the best match of the 2010s, according to WWE, Undertaker versus Shawn Michaels, WrestleMania 26. There we go. Out of those 10, I have three. I have one, two, three. I have three as well. So interesting. It'll be interesting to see, like, if you've got the same three. Okay, so... 
do you want to shall we start with the ones that we had in common with wwe then okay yeah so i'm assuming you had end of an era i did yep that was one of them i'm assuming you had punk and cena uh-huh and i'm going to predict charlotte and becky no sadly and to my shame the women are relatively unrepresented on okay. my list um which i think i think is a, is a shame but considering the women only started to get a fair whack of it halfway through the decade it kind of makes sense as well like they only started to really give them a chance yeah uh, halfway through the decade so maybe my roaring 20s list when this decade is all said and done would look a bit more equal in terms of gender but well those um those three i mentioned there that i predicted you had i have on my list so i've got punk cena i've got taker triple h and i have uh charlotte and becky i do not have michaels and taker which i believe you have i don't no no oh man shall tell you yeah go for it the, the one on the list that they had that i've also got is the shield versus the wyatt family okay that was my number 11 <laughs> right really yeah yeah um it's funny, so when I was reflecting on good matches of the decades, the first thing I was doing was thinking of singles matches, and then I had an epiphany like two nights ago when I realized that tag matches are a thing. Yeah. And then <laughs> I thought, well, the Shield had the best like tags, six-man tags on the main roster like throughout that entire decade. They came yeah. into the picture in 2012, and you know, a couple of reunions later, they had their last sort of stand in what 2018, was it, when just yeah. before Ambrose left? And so, you know, they, they, they had, they always had great matches. There was, there's no such thing as a, even the WrestleMania 30 match with the New Age Outlaws and Kane. Yeah. As quick as it is, it's fun. You know what I mean? Um, but that match is the quintessential shield match. I remember a few weeks ago, Chris, you were talking about the Seth Brock, uh, sorry, Roman Brock match from WrestleMania yeah. 31 and how you like to show that to non-wrestling fans. Mm -hmm. If I were to, show a match to non-wrestling fans i would consider heavily going with the shield and, and the wyatt family good show this was a time like when they were dominant factions but they were largely kept separate for a lot of the time they had briefly crossed paths before this uh, in the build up to survivor series 2013 mm -hmm. and then they would end up teaming together but they didn't really cross paths until the build up to this match and technically speaking they were both heel factions but the fans didn't care mm -hmm. they just knew it would be an awesome match and they started chanting as such before the guys even touched yeah it is a non-stop explosive roller coaster with some insane stunts and uh it's a very simple story they want to be the dominant faction and i remember as the wyatts make their entrance uh Lawler or no sorry Michael Cole I think uh, we did a tweet that Luke Harper had sent out earlier yeah. in the day and it wasn't this is Tuesday you know what I mean <laughs> uh, it was uh, or Sunday I should say uh, it was um, you pretty boys picked a lovely hill to die on I thought oh my god that's so Wyatt and it made me realise and there's a couple other matches on my list that make me think of this how good the Wyatts were in those first few months yeah and my how god. much hate there was around them and the one other thing I, i'd forgotten i i had in my memory i in my mind said the shield had won this match but why yeah. it pins roman that's right i know he pins because, roman yeah and because why is the one that goes on to have the match with cena yeah there's roman and the other boys in the shield really are 
you know, the, you can tell they're starting to get behind Roman because he'd, he'd just come off having that moment with Batista at the end of the Rumble. Yep. But it's an excellent match. So, uh, and it's a roller coaster. And I think that's a good match to suspend your disbelief and just to see it as this wacky arcade sport that is pro wrestling. And I, I would show that to a non wrestling fan because the characters are memorable. You've got these cool guys that are in the SWAT gear, but all three of them are distinct. Um, and then you've got the Wyatt family, enough said, these creepy Manson family esque hillbillies. I really enjoyed re watching that this week. Uh, and uh, I was I thought it was going to be really unique and having it on my list. So I'm a bit miffed that WWE put it on theirs, but yeah. it makes sense. It is a fantastic match. It's a great match. Um, from SummerSlam 2013 up until WrestleMania 30, that, that sort of time period there from SummerSlam to WrestleMania 13 into 14, that is the changing of the business to what we know now. Um, the sort yeah. of like the resurgence, like the, the people getting behind Daniel Bryan, and then um, Punk walking out because he's unhappy, and then Bryan not being in the Rumble, and uh, the audience really yeah. showing their displeasure, and WWE reacting to it, and that happens all the time now, Absolutely. all the time now. Um, but back then it never happened. You know, we 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 didn't have a voice before. You know, and uh, now mm-hmm. the fact we were voicing our displeasure, the fact that Punk was away and Bryan's not getting a push, and you know, we love the Shield and we love the Whites. Let's just make them fight. And the fact that, like, that all the chance before the match even started, that happens every show now, you know? Um, but yeah. but it didn't happen that often back in early 2014. So I think that's a really fair choice from WWE and your fine self. It was my number 11. It was the one that I just kind of um, let slip just at the end of my, my 10 here. Um, I've, got a, I've got a bit of a personal question for you, though, before we move on. Um, so Oof. you, uh, we, we've had lots of contributions from your lovely wife on this show. Um, yeah, Kate sings the jingles to all of the all the segments that you know and love. All the listeners out there, um, and Tim, when you when you first kind of um, when you met Kate and you started going out with her and that sort of thing, did you have to show her wrestling or did she know what it was before? Well, she knew what it was. Like she was familiar with it, like all the kind of the kind of standard figures like your rocks and Austins. But one of yeah. the funny things that came out off the back of it, like so, my wife and I we met on a dating app. And uh, so we like texted and stuff like that a lot before we had our first date. And one of the things that came out of it was my love of wrestling. So she knew this about me before we met. And in fact, on our first date, I, I rocked up uh, wearing like black jeans, a black leather jacket, and a Seth Rollins t-shirt. That's Absolutely, what that is date. why that is why you've got your spot on the show, my friend, for things like that. I love it. <laughs> Um, so God, it's funny because I like I don't have many wrestling t-shirts left because I I wear them out so quickly. A sweaty guy, folks, you know, <laughs> ruin t-shirts very quickly. Um, but uh, when I, I remember distinctly remember when we were texting back and forth for the first time, one of the things she asked me was you know just to get to know me was who my favorite wrestlers were, and at the time, and it still is, but certainly at the time, one of my favorite wrestlers was Bailey, and. Um, this was height of the pugger kind of phase of Bailey when she was really popular with the mainstream audience. And uh, I'm still a diehard fan. And uh, I still uh, remember, you know, telling Kate about meeting Bailey, which is a story I'll, I'll tell another time on the podcast in the Meet a Wrestler segment. And uh, that became this thing that I think she maybe assumed it was like more of a romantic infatuation, whereas I always like liked Bailey for the. Um, like her, her as a wrestler and the character yeah. and what she stood for and how wholesome she was and how whether you were a little girl or a fully grown man you could there was something about Bailey you could really respect and admire and I just it was refreshing to see that kind of uh, 
like wholesome and, and I suppose non-sexualized presentation of women in wrestling as was starting to happen when she was becoming popular. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, my wife, when she wears her ponytail in a certain way, <laughs> did bear a passing resemblance uh, to <laughs> Bailey. Uh, to the point that she uh, she even like got me a Bailey T-shirt for my birthday a few years ago, and I still have it. Um, and uh, so yeah, um, she, I was quite open about it early on. We've never sat and watched wrestling together, and uh, it's just not really her cup of tea. But she's unlike a lot of people that you meet who aren't into wrestling, she's not snobby about it. She totally gets that it's my thing and that yeah. I like it. And uh, she understands why I like it as well. And that's what, that's what like is important to me. Like when you get to know somebody, if they're not fans of wrestling, just like accept it. Like that's yeah. what we like and don't turn your nose up at it. And Kate's really, really cool about that. And she often used to compare it to stuff like, uh, like any other kind of soap opera. It's sensationalistic. It's uh daft at times it can be profound at other times but but yeah uh she is very much aware of it uh she knows it's uh, something that i'm daft about but yeah she's she's never had to sit through a match i'm just curious to see like if you if you picked a match out to show her or whatever do you know what i mean just as you mentioned that she's, there the one match she has actually watched with me um was uh cena versus reigns do you remember when they had a match in 2017? Yeah, randomly, which should have been the WrestleMania main event, but they just done it on a random yeah. pay-per-view. Same pay-per-view that Brock and Braun screwed off for the first time. That's right, yeah. Uh, was that Great Balls of Fire? I can't no, I think now. it was uh, No Mercy. That's right, when they brought Yeah, that's right. Um, and uh, so just because I really wanted to see it. So she sat and watched that with me, and she's watched a bit of um, the Breaking Ground documentary on Netflix um, in the past. But generally speaking, that's it's not it's not her cup of tea. But she's really cool about it. Fair, yeah, she's much cooler than you. Um, so that would not be hard. <laughs> um, well, you mentioned Bailey there. I, we're going off in so many tangents here, but that's what this is all about. Um, Bailey, t- yeah. the problem with Bailey on the main roster, right, compared to the NXT Bailey, is that the Bailey character that everybody fell in love with was exactly what you said. Totally wholesome. Everybody can relate. Everybody loves her. Everybody can find a reason to cheat her. You know. Um, yeah. the, the the story of Bailey was that she was a loser that never won any matches, didn't want to touch any opponents, and was a slow build up to becoming a really good wrestler, really good character, was more confident, and eventually she climaxed as the champion, you know? And it was yeah. this like resurgence. Everyone was like, Yes, but Bailey went from being just a fan and a really nice person to being the women's champion and being the top star and everybody loved her and she was so over. And all that stuff, and all the, the the ovations she used to get, and that sort of thing, proves that 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 storyline worked. The problem was when she moved over to Raw, they just carried on with the Bailey character, you know. And not everybody had mm-hmm. been watching NXT since 2014, you know. Um, yeah. What what they should have done, which arguably may have got a lot of um, flack at the time, but they should have restarted the character again because then everybody would have yeah, yeah. got to know her more, you know what I mean. And then by the time 2017 comes by, people are booing her. You can't the Bailey character is in no way, shape, or form a heel and should never be booed, you know. But it's just the way like smarky wrestling fans want to be because it's not what we want or whatever, and it's bad booking, blah blah blah. But it's because the the whole transition of the character just didn't work on the main roster. That's my opinion, anyway. Absolutely, and I I look forward to the day, the day Chris, where we do part two of live event um, stories and we tell the story of being in the crowd for Raw in two thousand sixteen for yes. that Hey Bailey moment. That was I don't want to say too much about it because it's a great story that deserves its own kind of time on this podcast. But that that was that was a real moment for me. I I screamed that 
uh, those words out wearing a bailey t-shirt having met yeah. her earlier on that day uh and uh, i it's uh that's a story that i look forward to telling well, it's uh, it's so funny as well because like WB haven't done TV here since, so it must have like scared them. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, right. Well, moving on. I don't have Bailey on my list. Uh, however, if we're talking from the sort of women's resurgence, which we should do an episode about, by the way. Um, yeah, for sure. My 2016 match of the year was Charlotte Becky Sasha from WrestleMania 32. That um, was very close to being on my list. It just missed it, but that's an excellent match. The best match yeah, of that night. Yeah, absolutely. And it's one of those ones where, like, not only is it a great match, but it just means so much. Um, all three characters slash wrestlers are all great. They're all over as, as anything. And uh, the reaction the reaction in that stadium isn't like, oh, yeah, we're seeing a really good wrestling match. It's like, this is excellent for the business and for women's wrestling and just for, you know, women entertainment in general. Um, and the match is great. Yeah, even, I mean, people sort of uh, roll their eyes the fact that Ric Flair was out with, with Charlotte. Like they're saying, oh, they can't give the women the, the spotlight. Ric Flair has to be there. That's not why Flair was there. Do you know what I mean? Ric Flair was there to give a bit of credibility to it and make Charlotte feel more important than she was at the time. But then she wins this match and she's such a star after this because she's the first women's champion in years because they, because they changed yeah. over from the Divas title. And it's just, there was something about that introduction. Lillian Garcia introduces it. It's for the women's championship. Um, and it was just a big deal at the time, and I love this match. It's just it definitely stole the show in a time where women's wrestling did not steal the show. So it's a big deal for me, and uh, is on my list big time. I uh, yeah, it's very deserving that match. I I remember watching that mania live, and I remember when the broadcast started, they'd unveiled the new mm-hmm. women's title and made this announcement on the pre-show, which I'd missed. And Lita, had, I believe it was Lita who yeah uh, made the announcement that they were scrapping the term divas except for the reality show and they were gonna have this this revived gorgeous looking women's title uh, and they would no longer be divas and they would be superstars and i remember being so happy at this and so excited because it was one of the last lingering things that made me embarrassed to be a wrestling fan was yeah that it was 2016 and we were still kind of subjugating the women and you know portraying them in this very patronizing condescending way you know it's saying you're not you're not superstars you're like the men you're you're just you're divas and diva has really kind of kind of misogynistic or maybe not but yeah it does the kind of connotations that are, are and stereotypical connotations which don't you know look good through the eyes of gender equality it's it, it panders to these stereotypes of, of feminine behavior which just don't aren't helpful and don't have any standing in society today so it, it was right for them to scrap that term and i rem, i really when i look at charlotte's career i think that was the first page of the chapter that she's on now i feel like the last yeah. four years of this royalty this start in this hall of fame career that she's forged this chapter started that night um we speak about bailey i heard an interesting theory on another podcast um where people are talking about things they could do to make bailey work in the main roster and someone had suggested that they should have introduced a bailey as a surprise on this night because a WrestleMania crowd would have popped for her. Yeah. And then the night after would have popped for her. And you don't necessarily need to give her the win, but it would have been a better way to introduce her. Um, Cause her cl- introduction eventually in the main roster was a bit clunky. 
But not to digress too much, like that match was excellent. I still think about straight away the that incredible moonsault Charlotte pulled yeah. off during that match. As far as I'm concerned, Charlotte's the best women's wrestler of all time. Um, yeah. I don't Absolutely. think there's any question about it. Uh, I mean, in terms of full package and just uh, lineage and um, main event feel and all that stuff and what she's already done to what she's going to do in the future, there's no question. She's the best women's wrestler of all time. Um, I totally agree with what you were saying about the diva connotations. What I will say to that is, and I, I totally agree about scrapping the term, but what I don't like is that the, the term diva is now like a sort of, is a, is, a, is a bad term in wrestling now. The divas back in the day were awesome. Like, see, Trish and Lita and, and uh, whoever, Christy Hemi and, you know, Ashley Massaro, Maria, Maurice, Michelle McCool, they were awesome. And uh, they, they were always, like, featured heavily on the show, maybe not in a wrestling, you know, point of view, you know, um, but they were always big characters and they were always, you know, featured a lot because they, they were so beautiful and they were such, you know, and, and talk about Lita and Trish being so over, you know, almost more over than half the, the guys in the roster. Um, so oh, I don't God, like how absolutely. it's a how it's like a bad term, you know. I totally get you know I why think, they should have they should have patched it, but I, I don't think it's a bad term. No, I mean it's it's all of its time and it's kind of yeah. exists now as a, a time capsule. I think the the reason I have a problem with it is because it, it does hard back to that time, and for all the awesomeness awesomeness of. The, you know, for every awesome moment with women's wrestling in that era, there, there was something that you would wince at. So for yeah. every time you would see Lee and Trish in the main event or Lee and Trish having like that great match, Unforgiven 2006, or like just Trish's run in general, for like, and, and trust me, watching this stuff right now as I'm going through it, like I'm skipping through, I can't tell you how many lingerie matches or yeah. like paddle pool matches I've skipped through just because I can't bring myself to watch it. Like, yeah. Um, so I think it, it was a bit of a mix, but the good stuff was really good. Like especially yeah. when around the time Mickey James came in. Mickey James uh, is another one. Stacey Keebler, yeah. Tori Wilson. They were such good characters and, and brilliant personalities. So um we uh, we love the divas, we love everybody in the wrestling industry on the show. You want to give us one now? Yeah, I'm gonna jump up around about uh I'm looking for my list. I think I'll go with this is, um, so you know I've got Triple H and Taker and Punk and Cena, right? Yep. I'm not going to say much about those because we have spoke about those matches already. Yes, episode two, so which I was called uh, Our Favourite Matches of All Time, available now in our archives. I've always wanted to say that. Conrad says that all the time. It's available yes. in our archives. Yeah, so <laughs> episode two, two is where we talked about those matches. I love Conrad, the podfather, truly. Absolutely. He's mastered um, the wrestling podcast. It's, it's funny. Really it's is. funny how it, like such a strong accent like that is now so comforting, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I, I'm not, I'm not going to get into it. But my conversation that I had with Conrad Thompson <laughs> is another story for another yeah, time. You tell and, on here before. Yeah, yeah. It's I've said this a few times, folks. Most of my interactions with wrestlers or wrestling personalities are highly embarrassing, and I don't know how that holds up against Chris's wrestler interactions. But uh, yeah, so one day. In the weeks to come, I'll talk about meeting Conrad and how horribly embarrassing it was. We hint here, he might have asked me about Bluetooth. I'll leave at that. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, coming up next on my list, Chris. Um, <laughs> Swiftly moving on. <laughs> something from, yep. Something from an era that I've already, uh, we've already discussed. In fact, we're going back in time by one month from my last one. I'm talking about Royal Rumble 2014. Oh, man, I know Daniel exactly Bryan, what you're going to say. Oh, yes. Yep. Amazing. Daniel Bryan, Bray Wyatt. 
This is a weird one. So when this match happened, uh, this was uh, back in the time where ICW would run their square go on the same night as the Rumble. Yeah. Uh, so me and my pals had tickets to the ICW square go and we went, uh, like Jamie and uh, maybe a couple of other friends. I can't remember. Uh, and that was on the garage, I think, or no, maybe ABC, but it doesn't matter. Uh, but th- there was this thing going on that if you had a ticket to the ICW show, you could get into Mango and Sucky Hall Street afterwards to watch the Royal Rumble live. Yeah. And you can order food there and stuff. So we thought this will be great. We'll go to the show, have a great time, then we'll go and watch it live at Mango. And we went to Mango and it was a flipping disaster, Chris. Right. They couldn't get their, their stream of the Royal Rumble to work. Oh, and my. They, then they tried to do an illegal stream and that wouldn't work and people were booing all these drunk wrestling fans were going, you effed up, you effed up. Um, and uh, I ordered nachos that took so long to come, Chris. Uh, so I <laughs> missed this match because this is the first match in Royal Rumble 2014. Yeah. So I had to watch this match the next day um, uh, after we'd ordered the pay-per-view. So, uh, or I might have just caught the end of it. And so it was only like the next day that I realized how good a match it was. And this was part of such a great storyline where Brian had joined the Wyatt family and it become really personal. And it's it's weird as well because these two guys were immensely popular but being treated so differently. Bray gets the win clean here and he goes on to face Cena. Brian loses clean. But at this point, they still are determined not to use him in the main event, which is yeah. baffling because the fans are going daft for them. But they're also daft for Wyatt. So it's one of the yeah. few times at this stage in Brian's career where the fans are relatively split. But most of them are probably still like the yes movement is huge at this point. But there's a lot of fans that are well behind the Wyatt and they're really getting a kick out of his his mannerisms and his way. His crab walk is just so creepy and it never, yeah. never seems to get old. And the crowd are so into it. And I think that's an important element in all the matches we talk about. And that's why it's so easy to put NXT on this list. Because it, a hot crowd can make all the difference. Look yeah. further than Rock and Hogan. And um, I'm going to make a weird comparison here. I'm going to bring up something that's always bothered me about certain matches. I'm going to compare this match. And this might seem, seem really weird. But I'm going to compare this match to Eddie Guerrero and Kurt Angle at WrestleMania 20. Okay. Hear me out here. Controversial opinion, Eddie Guerrero and Kurt Angle WrestleMania 20 is one of the biggest disappointments for me. Okay. Now, there's no denying that those two guys were excellent, but here's the thing. Think about that storyline. Think about the build-up to Eddie Guerrero and Kurt Angle. Mm. It got personal. They brought in Eddie Guerrero's real-life struggles with his addiction problems. It was vicious. It was a horrible, in-your-face, typical soap opera angle. So... I'm tuning into WrestleMania 20 and I can't wait to see these guys rip each other apart. And then they have a wonderful scientific match. Yeah. It's not very aggressive. It's a technical masterpiece. And in isolation, if you didn't know the build-up, it's a fantastic match. I'm sure you'd agree. Yeah, love the finish. Uh, yeah, great. A fantastic finish. Typical Eddie. Love it. But the match always disappointed me because it just didn't make sense to me. Now, you know Daniel Bryan. In fact, you've met the man twice. Yes. You've made him laugh. <laughs> Uh, (laughs) he could have a technical wrestling match with a brush and it would be a Dave Meltzer five-star Tokyo Dome classic, right? Mm -hmm. And so he he could easily do that with Bray, but he doesn't. This match doesn't start off with tie-ups and and takedowns. It is physical from the word 
go and it makes sense because these guys had blood you know they had a real dirty blood feud at this point they brian had infiltrated the wyatt family and turned this back on them and you know taken advantage of race trust and that's what i like i like it when the story makes sense and that's something that i would say to the people who were you know crapping on edge versus orton yeah because from wrestlemania this past year that made sense for the story sure it was empty arena we didn't want that but I didn't want to see Edge in a technical masterpiece this WrestleMania with or without a crowd. I wanted to see an aggressive fight because that's what made sense with the storyline. And that's why it always will baffle me that Triple H versus Randy Orton at WrestleMania 25 went down the route that it did. Yeah. Oh, man. That's that's the biggest disappointment in my lifetime for me. Absolutely. Yeah, true. So, um, you know, that that because it makes sense, because it's intelligent, that... That match is, it was a privilege to rewatch that. And again, much like the one I mentioned before, um, uh, it, it would make you feel disappointed to think about what happened to Bray Wyatt until last year when yeah. The Fiend was born. Um, because he was so good for so long and then it just fizzled. I love that match so much, and it's kind of what I was saying earlier on about like that was the first time they started listening to us, or 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 the first time yeah. we kind of voiced the displeasure. You know, the fact that they weren't listening to us. The the pop mm-hmm. Daniel Bryan gets in that match is unbelievable, and yeah. uh, the crowd are behind both of them. You know, and it's one of those ones where it's a split crowd, but we like Bryan a little bit more, and we know you're not going to go with him, so we're going to cheer him even louder. I love that match, yeah, and believe believe it or not, that was my number twelve. <laughs> was <laughs> it? No yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Fantastic. Right, hit me up with one. I wonder if we'll have any more in common. Give me another. Uh, well, there was there's three matches in particular that I couldn't believe weren't on the WWE, the WWE official one. And one of them is John Cena versus AJ Styles from SummerSlam 2016. Wow, because I also have John Cena versus AJ Styles. Right. And I couldn't decide which one to go with. So I ended up settling on Royal Rumble 2017. Yeah, both but of them are excellent. Yeah, it's a split here between them, and I think it was really just. Do you know what? You know, I could easily change my mind, but you brought this one to the table. So tell me a bit more about that match and why it deserves a place on your list. I love um, I love both those matches. The the Royal Rumble 2017 one is great because they they never leave the ring. Like they have the whole match within the ropes, and it was, it was such yeah. a just an interesting match to watch, right? And they had the whole sort of story of Cena going for the 16th world title, which I love, and I think that's great. The reason I prefer the SummerSlam one is not only is it a match that you never thought you'd see, you know, um, I believe they did have one before this, I think at Money in the Bank, um, Mm -hmm. which uh, AJ won, I I believe, by Gallows and Anderson getting involved. And then there was like a tag match at another pay-per-view and then this sort of rematch now. But this felt like more of a bigger match because it was SummerSlam. And, uh, you know, when you think of WWE around that time, especially the whole sort of tenure of AJ Styles being in TNA, John Cena yeah. was always the, the main guy in WWE. So you'd go, okay, well, AJ's yeah, the top yeah. TNA guy. Cena's the top WWE guy. It would be cool to do a dream match and put them, the two of them against each other. Then when AJ yeah. turned up on the scene in WWE, we're now having this match now. And uh, the reason I love this match so much is because both guys don't just uh, give a lot in this match. They both just like, they both do both of their biggest and greatest hits on each other. Um, it's a showcase of both guys. And then AJ wins clean. And I'm not saying that because, yes, John Cena didn't bury him. I don't believe in that at all. It was at a time where WWE were telling us, the fans, that, okay, we've heard AJ Styles' name for so many years. We've finally signed him. And you know what? We've finally realised how good he actually is. You just were right. Yeah. You know? 
And then the next month at Backlash, he won the WWE title. He beat Ambrose for the world title. And uh, yeah. this is the start of that. So I love this match because it's a match you never thought you'd see. AJ wins and goes on to win the world title. That's my pick. A great choice. And uh, I think pretty much you've summarized why I've got a scene in AJ on my list. It's yeah. the only reason I think I, I, I lean towards the other one is because I love the, the story of Cena going for 16 and I love the finish of it. I love Cena winning it as well because by that point they'd really established AJ. Yeah. So it didn't damage him to lose uh, in the manner that he did, especially because he was a bad guy at the time. So it was, it yeah. was you know, it was fine, you know, for him to lose like that. And it's funny to think um, that's that's before his year-long title run. That was his first title run that was it was awesome. And then his year-long one as the babyface, he was so great. Um, yeah. So it was just, just cool to see that, that match, those two styles being together. I'll just quickly say the other two Cena matches I've got on my list. I don't need to go into them. Uh, the other one I've got is, is Cena versus Daniel Bryan from SummerSlam 13. Yeah, uh, got that. Which is which is funny because we're kind of talking about Brian around that time, and that was like, my God, they're finally going to go with him. Oh wait, we're swerving, yeah, taking off him. But the match is absolutely, so you know, and Cena wrestles that with yeah. what? Uh, that's incredible, and that's one of the qual. Like in my notes here, that's one of the things I've written about this is that they they really took advantage of that injury and turned it into a great story. And wrestling yep. is all about storytelling, um, and I also love that match because. I talked about how the Brian and Bray match had to be aggressive, but this match didn't need to be like that from the word go. So it, it makes it because this was two baby faces. It was about respect. And uh, so it starts off as a technical classic, but then it becomes aggressive and it evolves yeah. into an all out fight. And it's uh and the story of the arm is just really good. The finish, the fact that Cena wins clean, uh, sorry, Cena, uh, Brian wins clean. Uh, was was unusual to see at that time. So yeah. yeah, that that's on my list too. And I love how like the story is the arm, but they're also trying to like Brian's trying to prove how good of a wrestler he is, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and how Cena's not, you know. And what I love about that one as well, the whole point behind that match is just because Brian was getting so popular, like Cena came out on Raw and he was allowed to choose his his opponent for SummerSlam, and there was no indication other than the fact that Brian was just on this sort of winning streak and he was getting massive ovations. But there was no, like, yeah. Brian win a number one contenders match or anything. Nothing like that happened. Cena just came out and was like, I hear the crowd. I choose Daniel Bryan. And the place goes mental, you know? It's a great yeah. sort of wrestling moment and uh, they lead to this, this brilliant match. I wish they'd let him keep it, though, till maybe the night after. Just because it kind of ruins it a little bit with the cash-in after. I still love the cash-in, but uh, I think it's, it's Brian's night because he wrestles a perfect match here. I'll tell you a funny, a quick story is that I... Um... I was abroad. I was in Eastern Europe when this match happened. So it was one of the few SummerSlams of that era that I couldn't watch live. So I watched it the day after on a really, really dodgy Eastern European website and really low quality. Um, And it cut out just after the match. Oh, no. So for about a day, I thought that Brian had just won the title and that was it. And it was only about two days later that I learned that the cash-in had happened. That's brilliant. Yeah. That's hilarious. The only other uh, Cena match I've got on my list is from Raw in, uh, on May the 4th, 2015, I believe, 15 or 14, yeah, 15. Yeah. And it is uh, John Cena versus Sami Zayn. Uh, ah, the, I thought you might say that one. On the John Cena US title open challenge. And it's one mm-hmm. of my favourite matches of all time for two reasons. One, because of the absolute guttural ovation and reaction that Sami Zayn gets because one is in his hometown but it was also that sort of like NXT was just getting popular and like it was it was really taking mm. off and this is before the first big takeover in Brooklyn um, and, and we all love Sami Zayn or whatever right so yep. we knew Sami Zayn for all these reasons because he was in you know he was in NXT and we started to be a big fan that sort of thing 
And then uh, Bret Hart comes out in Montreal and Cena was doing these open challenges where he was inviting anybody from the back to come and challenge him for the title. And he it brought out some great matches in Dean Ambrose and uh, and Wade Barrett at the time and Cesaro. And uh, it really like let these sort of under guys at the time get to show you know themselves in a sort of main event multi-segment match with Cena. And that's why Cena's so great and doesn't get the credit he deserves because he was able to make all these guys look great. Damien mm-hmm. Sandow was another one. Uh, Stardust, wonder what happened to him. Um, so yeah. <laughs> this one is Sami Zayn, and we had heard rumours that it was going to happen because it was his it was his hometown. But you obviously you go, right, okay, it's just rumours. Do you know what I mean? But then Brett mm-hmm. comes out and he starts talking about it, and it's almost like the crowd are kind of like, we'd love it, but it's not going to happen. And then Brett kind of mentions NXT, and they're kind of like, oh, hang on a second, and they kind of get bigger and louder and louder. And then he mentions someone that has uh, been fighting from right here in Montreal, and the place goes, oh, oh my God, it's it's actually Sami Zayn. And then he says Sami Zayn, and the place goes absolutely mental. And you've heard, yeah. like, big ovations before. But this is this comes from, like, the gut. Like, this is like, this is like I love this ovation. And uh, mm. then that, that's reason one why it's one of my favourite matches of all time. Then, before the match even gets started, Sami Zayn tails his shoulder out of his socket. Oh my god, yeah, because he's doing his wee arm thing, isn't he? He's and like his entrance, he, he pulls his whole socket out, his, his whole shoulder out of his socket, and he can't use his left arm. <laughs> but it's somehow incredible. they put on this unbelievable match. Adrenaline will do amazing things. And uh, if, if that had ended there, if they couldn't have had the match after that big ovation, who knows where Sami Zayn would have went after that. Um, but just the fascinating aspects of that match, like trying to find out where they kind of called the spots and how they're kind of working around the bad arm. Um, and obviously, there was no way Zayn was going to win it, you know what I mean? So I kind of knew that was yeah. happening anyway. Um, but another example of Cena just being a total pro, working with someone with one arm and still making them look a million bucks. So I, I ranted there. I went on far too long, but that was that was uh, that's one of my favourite matches ever and doesn't get the credit it deserves. No, no. Um, how are we for time? Can, are we can we go for another one or let's do, do another one? Yeah. Well, this one works from that thematically because you mentioned Cena's US Open uh, run that he did and how he he really did do these long matches with guys and have give them multi segments, give them plenty of offense, and you know it still bothers me that people will still say to this day that he all he did was bury people when. Yeah. All you need to do is look at this part of his career. Drive me still like a top song, you know. Yeah. Um, but it's fair to say one thing for the, at least the first chunk of that that Cena still didn't do was lose. And even yeah. at this point in his career in 2014-15, he, he still very, very rarely lost clean. And it's not unusual so much now to see Cena losing clean uh, on the odd chance that he comes back in the last two or three years. But certainly then, he was still quite indestructible. The only difference was that he was working with different guys and he was holding a mid-card title and he was giving exposure to different guys. Yeah. Then Kevin Owen shows up. Oh, yes. And they have a match at Elimination Chamber 2015. And they were going to have more. And you mentioned with the AJ match how they never left the ring. The same thing could be said of this match. Yeah. And... It was non-title, but it was champ versus champ because Owens was the NXT champion at the time. I was excited for this match just because I'd looked at the Sami Zayn one and his other open matches that I'd like seen clips from, and I just expected a five-star classic. But Cena was going to win because I didn't even think Owens was going to stay in the main roster at this point because he was the champion. Yeah. I just feel like you know they're just showcasing more talent. Everybody wins. And they go on and they have an excellent match. It's really exciting. And then Owens wins clean. And in my mind, that is 
one of the first times. That's what really, for me, that was the a turning point in Cena's career because that's when it became acceptable that he could lose clean. Yeah. And it made his matches a little bit less predictable in terms of outcome. Cena power, gets powerbombed. Owens pins him one, two, three, clean. I still remember feeling so shocked, but delighted at the same time that it happened. Uh, and that's on my list. It's not got a particular number. It's not ranked in any way. Yeah. But because of the, what it means to me, and because I think it is very significant in both those men's careers, and I think that match belongs on my list. That the result was was a, a shocker. It was just a good match. It didn't rely on anything excessive. It was just a, a great technical match. Uh and it was a brilliant way to introduce Owens. Yeah, I am. Um, I don't have that one on my list, but I could. I could for this kind of the same reasons as the AJ match. It was like I actually never thought you'd see. You know, Owens yeah. was the the top guy on the Indies. You know, and then he's he's facing the top guy in WWE again. You know, you could look at someone like um, Adam Cole or whoever's big on the Indies right now. I guess Adam Cole's obviously NXT, but for for so long he was the top indie guy. Um, if he mm-hmm. was to wrestle Cena at some point, that would be mental. You know. Um, so good shout there, absolutely. Um, I'll throw another one out there, and then because we mentioned Roman and Brock from WrestleMania 31, I mentioned that yeah. on episode two as one of my favourite matches of all time. Um, that's on my list, obviously. But the other one that's on here that we've not spoke about yet, and uh, which we're nearly obviously finished because I've pretty much got through most of them here, is uh, an Undertaker match from a WrestleMania, WrestleMania 29, Undertaker versus CM Punk. It's on my list. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what a good way to finish on. There we go. Um, <laughs> this is um, this is this is peak punk for me. Um, from from twenty eleven to twenty thirteen, punk was the man. He was my favorite. He was the top guy. He was the best in the world. Best at promos. Best in the ring. Coolest character. Best merchandise. Best DVD that came out. All that stuff. And I mean, now, hindsight being twenty twenty, we know that he kind of he should have been in the main event at WrestleMania. He was asking to be in the main event yeah. more than anything. It probably should have been a triple threat match because that would have been huge, almost almost bigger than Roxena too, you know. Um, but then at the time, because Undertaker is my favorite wrestler of all time, to me it was almost like it was a bigger deal the fact that Punk was the one that got to wrestle Taker, you know, and Punk yeah. was the one that, th- that could you know potentially end the streak. And you know, I don't care what anybody says from like WrestleMania twenty three up until thirty. Every year, it was an actual threat. Like this, it could end this year, you know. Um, and, yeah. You know, it ended at thirty because of Lesnar. I think that was probably the, if it was going to end at all, Lesnar was the right choice. I do not think Punk should have won this match, obviously because of what happened after Punk leaving and that sort of thing. Imagine that happened. You know, Punk broke the streak and then they never talk about him. Um, <laughs> but this match was just like again my favorite wrestler at the time versus my favorite all time wrestler. Taker still looking brilliant, Punk being the best in the world. Punk comes out to his theme song live, which I love. Um, it's just uh, it's a brilliant match. And my, my pals that I was watching with at the time were disappointed that Punk never won. But um, I knew, you know, uh, Punk was going to be fine. You know, you don't need to beat the Undertaker at WrestleMania to be a star, you know. And um, No, no. This match is, is as close to a five-star match as you'll get because it has nostalgic points to it. It also has current stuff to it. It's got the false finishes. It's got the big fight feel. It's got the unpredictable finish, and um, yeah, I love it. It's um, it's one of my favorite matches yeah. of all time. Absolutely right. It, this match, really, for me, is one of those whole package matches. You like you mentioned the entrances. You don't even yeah. want to skip the entrances. You like you say, CM Punk comes out to live in color, but let's not forget the Undertaker's mm. entrance. The zombies reaching out from Brilliant. the stage. 
grabbing him. That's my favorite Undertaker entrance of all time. Nice. And then, you know, I remember watching it live. I agree with what you say now. He sh- knowing what we know now, he shouldn't have. Punk should not have won that match, and it's probably for the best that he didn't. But at the time, it was one of the it was one of the only times when the, the streak was up for grabs that I felt I'm happy with either result. Yeah. And it was like, they'd been doing the big dramatic false finishes for a while now at this point with Undertaker streak matches and you always enjoy them. But this was the first time that I kind of thought punk could win this. Yeah. I love cool. every detail about the match. They, they mingled so well. Yeah. I loved Punk's attire, which channeling the mm. retro kind of Undertaker. Absolutely. Um, it, it, for me, that this really is the full package, and you can talk about what should have or could have happened till the cows come home. But what it is, is what it is, and it's it's an excellent, fun match. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you know, I think Undertaker became twenty, and what WrestleMania twenty eight. So if they were going to end it, they might as well do it now. You know, be twenty and one. Yeah, you know, Big round number. Yeah, I loved it. Uh, and you know, he was like, "I am the one in twenty and one." That's brilliant. It's funny that you know, the only other argument for saying that Punk should have won it is because that really, up until the Boneyard match, of course, that that was really the Undertaker's last great WrestleMania match. That, yeah, that you you mentioned, you know, from twenty three up to twenty nine, that was his run of like non-stop excellent wrestlemania matches yeah uh and that's what i think of is that run when i think of the streak and uh the boneyard match it was great to see the undertaker being used in the way that can make him seem truly great again but this was the last kind of classic taker match of its like really yeah you mentioned your favorite taker entrance i can't pick one um i would probably say wrestlemania 17 in the bike because mm. uh, what I love about that entrance is that Motorhead played Triple H first. And uh, usually after a live musical performance for an entrance, it's like, right, well, here comes the jobber entrance. Nope. <laughs> Not this yeah. time. Um, and God, I'll, can you imagine oh, Motorhead mechanically open for Limp Biscuit? <laughs> yeah, I mean, listen, I loved, I love their... Um, I love their thing, mate. Their, their entrance as well, WrestleMania 19. I think that's great too, but it's not quite as good as just the song, I think. Um, and yeah. even the Boneyard match entrance to Metallica, that was amazing, you know? Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah, definitely a good one to finish on with Punk and Taker both being on our list. Any ones on the list that we never got to? I wonder, can you guess what my two NXT matches were? Okay, your two NXT matches were Bailey and Sasha. Yeah, absolutely. From Brooklyn 1. And your other Perfect. one... Was can you give me a clue? Oh, wait, it's a man's match, uh, Sammy and Nakamura. Yes, well yes. done. That is, um, that's that's my favorite NXT match of all time. Yeah, it's a classic. I couldn't not include that on the list. It's uh, we don't have time to get into it, but yeah, it deserves on that list. Uh, what is there anything? Because uh, I'm thinking you've actually through your own guesses and through the stuff we've already talked about, we've covered pretty much everything. On my list, yeah. It's all been talked about. Is there anything that we've not talked about in yours? I had the only other one I had that was on my actual 10 was Charlotte versus Asuka from WrestleMania 34. Oh, that's a great match. I think, again, that was probably the best match of that night. Yeah, me, I think so too. Um, I think that just... I mean, Asuka losing uh, didn't feel wrong, you know? And uh, it mm-hmm. felt like... At but the it's match- still... Sorry, go on. 
I'm saying it still surprised me though, because Asuka yeah. had won the Rumble, but it didn't surprise me in the way that disappointed me. I kind of thought, oh, fair play. You, yeah. you didn't go with the predictable route and Charlotte, everybody wins. Asuka could not have come out of that match looking weak after the run that she just had. Yeah. That was a, yeah. So yeah, I really enjoyed that match. Absolutely. Definitely the match of the night. And, and at the time, I was second on the card, which is a death spot really, because on WrestleMania, your opening match is a massive deal. And the opening match for this one is Rollins, Balor and Miz in a great triple threat match for the Intercontinental title. And usually you have this big, hot opening match at WrestleMania and then the second match is like, all right, well, now we're on WrestleMania. And it's just a bit kind of an afterthought a lot of times. Um, I think um, AJ versus Randy Orton from WrestleMania 35 really struggled because that's a great match and it's a dream match, but it doesn't get the attention because it was second on the show, you know? Um, However, this match feels like, at the time, the biggest women's match of all time. And um, yeah. and it lives up to it. It's great. And I mentioned uh, Charlotte and Becky last women standing match from Evolution as well. Uh, that's on my that's on my top ten. Just um, a brilliant last women standing match. The real main event of the first ever full only women's pay per view. Um, such a big deal. And the match is great. Both those girls are so over. And um, it was great to see Becky just still you know on her rise. You know. So that was my ten honorable mentions. I have. Uh, I had uh, the Wyatts versus the Shield. I had Brian versus Wyatt. I had Rock versus Punk uh, from Royal Rumble 13. Oh, yeah. Brilliant match. Uh, I couldn't pick a favourite Randy Orton versus Christian match. Uh, they had oh, an amazing God. rivalry. They, they had, had great game. chemistry. I'd forgotten all about that. They had the match at Capital Punishment, Money in the Bank, SummerSlam, and um, another one. What was the other pay-per-view around that time? Was it Payback? Not Payback. Over the, the Limit? Limit? Over the Limit, yeah. Over the Limit, that was it. Four, just, and then one on SmackDown as well. So five unbelievable world title matches. Uh, and I also had Rollins versus Cena versus Lesnar from Royal Rumble 2015. And oh, yeah. I have Brian versus Brock from SummerSlam, from Survivor Series 2018. There you go. Yeah, those are all, all great choices. Yet yeah, it's a decade that we are really spelled for choice. Wrestling yeah. really changed that decade. And, you know, I think... Or if we ever did a list for the noughties, it would be matches that we're praising for different reasons, I suppose. Yeah. But it's nice to look back at matches like that and uh, and to I, I really enjoyed the process of, of going Good. through some of those old matches because I've been stuck in a rut of two thousand and two. Yeah. So it's nice to kind of jump out for a little bit and to look at a totally different era. So yeah, Chris, thank you for suggesting that this week. Any ideas on what we might talk about next week on the Wrestling Connection? I don't have anything right now. Have you got Have you got a topic that you're bumming to chat about? Oh God, there's, I mean, we could always do a part two on some of the live events. We could talk mm. about wrestling figures. That's one I can't wait to do one day. I went to the uh, video the game one soon too. Video game one, oh God, dude, I could talk about, that would be the Glenn show, but I'm sure you've got plenty to say. Um, um, I've got so much to talk about with video games. It's unreal. Let's do the video game one then. Will, will we make that decision now? Okay, you heard it here first, folks. Next week on the Wrestling Connection, video games. And obviously, we're going to talk about the SmackDown vs. Raw intro, right? Absolutely, yeah. To um, who, who sang that song? Do you know? Oh, no, I can't remember. Oh, but, God, yeah, I wish I knew that. Let's, uh, we'll, we'll save it for next week. Um, let's bring back Meet a Wrestler next week as yes. well. Yes, never got to that this week. So we'll do, I'll, I'll tell a story of meeting a wrestler next week and then we'll talk about video games and uh, we'll be thankful for something else and we will recommend another match. A, a, a reminder of what the match of the week this is this week was uh, John Cena versus Randy Orton versus Bobby Lashley versus King Booker versus Mick Foley 
from Vengeance Night of Champions 2007, the WWE Championship Challenge. Check that out this week if you can. And uh, feel free to have a look in the network and, and you know watch some of these matches we've talked about from the 2010s. The WWE official top 10 is still up there and there's a bunch of other ones. There's like uh, takeover matches, there's best Raw matches of the decade, best SmackDown matches of the decade, loads of stuff to watch. And um, let us know on our social media accounts if you've been watching anything fun. We are on Twitter at WrestleConnect1. We are on Instagram at WrestleConnection, Facebook.com slash The Wrestling Connection. And on YouTube, just search The Wrestling Connection Podcast and give us a wee subscribe to uh, to never miss an episode. Subscribe to us wherever you listen to podcasts, whether it be Spotify or Apple or Anchor or whatever. You will never miss an episode if you do that as well. And uh, I think Can I just uh, yeah, interject, Chris? I'm sorry to do so, but uh, we've started to get like feedback and contact from people on the social media accounts now that we've been at this for a few weeks. Please keep contacting us and tell us, yeah. uh, you know, uh, the reaction from the episode we did a couple of weeks back on um, uh, our live event stories was uh, I love the reaction that we got from that and some of the messages that we got and it, it means a lot to us and so please don't hesitate to get in touch with us on any of those platforms that Chris just listed because it, it makes my day when we get any kind of feedback or any any kind of interaction off the back of a podcast so please do so do not hesitate to get in touch absolutely thank you so much everybody for listening please let us know your thoughts and please tune in next week on another exciting edition of the Wrestling Connection <laughs>